What's going on, quitters? It's another episode of Don't Quit Your Day Job. I am your host, Maxim Allen. This is the show where we talk about people's creative passions. You know how it goes, because you've listened to every single one, right? I hope so. Um, today is August 28th, 2021. Um, I just got a haircut, which is very nice. But once again, I have disappointed yet another Russian barber because my name is Maxime and I don't speak Russian. They are heartbroken when they find out. Uh, guys, today I have a very special guest. Um, he's a comedian. He's hilarious. He's awesome. I produce his podcast. Uh, <laughs> everyone, please welcome James Coburn. Thank you. Thank you, Maxime. Maxime, I didn't even know that. Yeah, it's a, it's a whole... It's a whole Russian thing. Yeah. My my parents gave me my name. They were like, we like Max. And then they were looking at variations. And like, oh, we like Maxim. Little did they know that every Russian person I meet ever would be so <laughs> disappointed. I love that <laughs> Max just wasn't enough. Yeah. No, you can't. <laughs> and you can't. They were like, yeah, Maxwell is kind of basic. You yeah. know, and I'm going to do that one. So, <laughs> <laughs> well, welcome on the show. Thank you so much. Uh, this is uh, you. It is nice having you because uh, I don't have to coach you through the equipment. Yeah, <laughs> and and let us stress coach us through because we have no idea what we're doing on my one. <laughs> I think it was nice when you were just like talking to me and Connor about like getting it started. You're like, I just want a podcast. I don't want to do anything technical. It's like, easy enough. Because <laughs> if I did that, I would have just lost interest in the project straight away. It's a lot of effort. Yeah. Well, I'm gl- I'm glad you're here to do it. awesome well james you are a comedian yes what was your first comedy exposure like how old were you when you first learned about stand-up um when i first learned about stand-up oh i think i can't put it down to like one specific memory Mm -hmm. but i just remember um i just remember like in my early 20s and i was going through university Mm -hmm. um I think uh, I think Netflix had just become a thing, mm-hmm. and there was just all this access to it, and YouTube as well. Right. I remember watching at that time a lot of Louis C.K., mm-hmm. um, a lot of like Bill Burr um, and stuff like that, and that's when it first just became a thing for me. I was like, oh, this is uh, a thing that people do. Mm-hmm. It's stand-up comedy. I'm going to watch more of it. I enjoy this. So you, yeah. but before that, you hadn't watched like any stand up, really. I don't think so. I think all all the sort of like uh, comedy I was sort of um, taking in was sort of through uh, animations like South Park, Family Guy, all that sort of stuff. Oh, okay. Um, and that's what I ended up doing at university. Is uh, I got a degree in animation. Oh, really? And then I, didn't I event- know that. Yeah, um, <laughs> I used to make cartoons um, till I realized how tedious it was. <laughs> um, but but what I also realized is like I. I only I'm only doing this because I like the comedy aspect of it, and that's when mm. I first. But yeah, I think I think that was the time. Interesting. So, so what was your first uh, push into actually trying stand up? When did that come around? Um, I actually, it's an interesting story. I went to um, I did a semester at the University of Oregon. So mm-hmm. up until that point, I'd never been to the U.S. and I just did an exchange semester at this uh, University of Oregon. At the end of that, and I was, I was like loving living in America and that. And at the end of that, I traveled uh, around the States, mm-hmm. ended up in New York. And um, I, at, and at the time, I was like getting interested in comedy and I'd heard about this New York comedy scene. Yeah. Um, which sounds ridiculous now to say it because we're like, <laughs> but like, you know, once upon a time, you don't know about 
what the mecca of like comedy is and stuff like that. Right. You don't know about McDougal Street or anything like that. Mm-hmm. Um, but I ended up staying on like pretty much Bleecker and McDougal. So we were right next oh, to- Oh, wow. This is when I like had no idea. I was like, <laughs> I was like 24 or something like that. And we stayed at a bar above the Village Lantern. Wow. And um, my <laughs> that- that a whole thing like my friends like you should well we're here you should try like do comedy <laughs> but i had no idea about like how to go about it or anything like right. that um we uh we just went to a bar one night we were, i think we we're on bleaker and i didn't know what flyering was at the time but some dude was flyering on the street right it was a guy named tyler rothrock who every now and then i'll like message him or something like that but he like he was flying. We we're like, yeah, we're like sort of drunk and like keen for a comedy show. Yeah, and it was in the basement of the Lantern, and it was like, <laughs> it was there, we were like one of like eight people audience members. But it was actually a really awesome show. Like, yeah, um, one of those really cool ones where it's like very intimate, and all the comedians just were like got along with the crowd, and we were like really embraced it. And um, anyway, we stepped out afterwards, and I was chatting to this dude Tyler Rothrock. I think right. he, I think he's in doing comedy in philly now or something okay but um he uh and i was like i was just like young and i was like hey can i get a gig somewhere <laughs> like that, like that how crazy does that you can imagine right. if someone just walked up to you and can i get a gig in new york <laughs> like, and he was like yeah oh, dude and he was so lovely he was like i mean i'll try so we exchanged details and he's like i might be able to like let you know about an open mic or something like that right and at that time like i'm sure there was a lot but I, I doubt there would have been as much going on as like what there is right now. It's ridiculous like yeah. how much there is to do. Um, but he ended up messaging me and he said, um, he's like, look, I've asked around, like everyone is booked and he couldn't, he's like, I'm, I'm not really aware of an open mic that you could jump on this late. Uh, like he was, I, I, I'm not too sure, but um, anyway, so then I'm like, ah, oh, damn. And eventually like a day or two later, I flew out. Yeah. Um, but that was the first time where I went, oh, I'm actually prepared to, have a go at this like this right yeah it was almost like a real for me right right yeah i feel like especially when you go and see a show like that where you're so up close and personal with the comedians yeah. like in the process of like not only flyering but performing yeah that makes it a much more real thing not just some on the screen on netflix you know yeah yeah the funniest thing was um the funniest thing was that i i thought like this dude tyler and all the other comedians on the thing they were like, like not famous, but I was like, these guys are so legit. <laughs> and look, they, were, they were all great, and they and they are legit. But like, yeah. it's a legit thing to do. But um, and Tyler, I, f- I follow him on Instagram. He does like a bunch of great shows now. But um, and then I remember like you know years years on, and I was flying out the front of the Grizzly Pear one night. Yeah, and I was like, this this doesn't feel quite <laughs> legit. This doesn't feel like. What I remember viewing Tyler as all those other comedians, right? That, yeah, that's so funny. Yeah, I uh, I was talking to a comedian who said he got a he got booked on a show up in Vermont, so he went out there and he traveled, and people want to take pictures with him, <laughs> yeah. and he's like open mic, <laughs> he's like yeah. one of us. Like, yeah, <laughs> oh my gosh, that, that's I've I haven't done too many road gigs, but that's quite true, isn't it? Of like mm. New York comics that travel elsewhere, it's like. You you're immediately like embraced and like sort of celebrated a little bit. Yeah, it's uh, it's it's 
if I remember when I started comedy back in Colorado, someone in the group was like, I'm coming in from New York City. Like, what what shows are going on? It would be like, whoa. I, at least for me, I was like, whoa, someone <laughs> so, from New York City? So I just got booked. Yeah. <laughs> it's so, even, even, now, even if you're from anywhere, literally just posting in a group, hey, I'm coming into town from this place. Uh, yeah. Does anyone have a spot? And people give them spots. It's like, yeah. what about all the people you know that could actually use yeah, a spot? <laughs> it really works. It's so stupid. (laughs) I had someone hit me up. They were like, hey, man, can I get a spot on your show? Just straight up. Yeah. Never met this person, anything. They hit me up on Facebook, and then they sent me a friend request after. And I was like, I didn't even reply. I was like, who the fuck do you think you are? Yeah, yeah, yeah. (laughs) You'll be doing that. Yeah. So you go back to Oregon. When's your first time on stage? Um, Or you leave New York City? Right. No, I left New York City, then we traveled a bit more, and then ended up flying back to Australia. Oh, okay. So, in between, like, Oregon and traveling and moving to New York was a couple of years in it, back in Australia. Right. And um, that's, when I, uh, that's when I started comedy. I think it was, like, 2016. I was, I was thinking about it, and I was meant to move to New York with my girlfriend at the time. Um. And I was like, "Oh, babe, like I want to, I want to start comedy, and like, uh, like we're both eligible for a visa right now. Let's move to New York." Yeah. Um. So she was like, "Yeah, okay." And but then we broke up, and I was like, "I'm still gonna do it." Yeah. So then I just looked into um how to start comedy. Mm-hmm. So this was in Melbourne, Australia. Okay. And um, there was a uh there was a comedy club in Melbourne called the Comics Lounge, which was at at the time, and I think still is probably the biggest there. Um, and they were doing, I don't know how I got got in touch with whoever like told me about this, but they were doing workshops on a Tuesday night and it was for two hours. You paid $10 mm-hmm. and you got to sit in the main room with like other aspiring comedians. It was hosted by a sort of professional sort of semi-famous or sometimes quite a big name Yeah, who for the first hour told you about their experience in comedy and gave you their advice on how to go about it and for the second hour allowed anyone in the room that wanted to do a maximum of three minutes could you know tell their first joke for the you know first ever time or like work on something yeah it was actually a great whoa it was a great concept and i like eventually i flew i moved to new york and i heard that they'd stopped that not long after i moved i was really bummed Mm because like honestly and like you know when i moved here a lot of people told me to do classes and stuff like right. at, the, at the comedy cellar or gotham or something like this and i was like no nah, I've, I've already like i've already done that I've, i was it was so beneficial to me wow um and that's where i learned how to like write jokes and like mm. you know all set up punch and all that just sort in of that two-hour session no it was every tuesday oh, so i went okay. for like months oh wow yeah and before it was you got great. on stage hosted, uh yeah so I, I probably went to like three or four of those before i ever you know in that second hour they go does anyone want to tell a joke um I probably did three or four of those before I went, oh, actually, yeah, I do. Um, so you didn't even go to an open mic before this. You just started. I just started this... learning at this workshop. Whoa. Um, and it was great because it was hosted by a different person every week. So you were getting different advice from different people. So you just sort of, it was, it was actually fantastic. And then um, eventually I got on, eventually I put my hand up and they're like, oh, you, what's your name again? You're, oh, James. Yeah, you've been to a few of these, haven't you? I'm like, yeah, yeah. I, I think I'm ready. They're like, yeah, you want to tell your first ever joke? Like, yeah, sweet. Um, back then, I was like, I was, you know, I was fresh off like 
playing Australian football with my mates, all, all boys <laughs> schools. I was a bit of a like a lad. Yeah, I thought I thought vulgar comedy was like that was my shit. Like you know what I mean? Like <laughs> so this joke, the first ever joke that I told was on stage at the Comics Lounge um, in North, which is yeah, it's like quite a big room, but it was like only it was a bunch of comedians and right, room. right. That was it, but. It was, and I told the most vulgar to this to this day, by far the most vulgar joke I've ever written, <laughs> and um, it was hosted by this comedian at one point who was a really vulgar comedian, but he was like, you know, he owned that style. Um, and then I got off, and you give feedback to you, you know, you're all sort of friends, and then you give feedback, and I got some feedback from the from the other comedians. Half of them looked horrified. And then I won't tell the joke because it's absolutely disgusting. But um, then the guy running it, the guy running it, he uh, he was like laughing. He was like, "Dude, I loved it." And then but that was sort of a sign for me. Like, if he loved it, I don't know if this is a great thing. And then he then he said he gave me actually he sort of was the reason I changed my style a bit because like he said if you're gonna tell jokes like that. You have to always tell jokes like that. You can't just like do a set, slip that joke in somewhere amongst a clean set. <laughs> and then he likened it to, he's like, think of Jim Jeffries. Right. And he's like, that guy, he owns that style. Right, he's right. He's unapologetic. And, and like, I'm not the biggest Jim Jeffries fan, but like, he, he, he's unapologetic is a good word for it. Like, and I don't, <laughs> I don't have the, I don't have the, I don't have the balls to just go all out on that vo- on that vulgar style. I can't. And- I can't imagine. I don't think a single person I know could do that level of vulgar material. No, like, I, 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 don't, I just don't have it in here. No. Like, so the, at that time, I just went, look, I don't think this is what I want to be. And then I, I was speaking to someone. They told me that classic, like if you can write, um, if you can write funny vulgar, you can write funny clean. Right. But it doesn't work the other way around. And I'm like, and I just it. it it took me two seconds to make that decision because I immediately went, I don't want to be stuck as a comedian that um, can, just gets stuck writing dirty all the time and I have no idea how to deliver a clean set. Right, Because right. then that, that shuts, so, shuts you off to so many rooms. Totally. Yeah. yeah. That, was, that was the first ever joke I told. That's good. I mean, it was, it was a, I was, a good learning say, it was about um, It was about, yeah, it was sexual and it involved one of my grandma's friends. That was the... That's the that was how the joke. <laughs> oh my gosh! Yeah, it wasn't. It wasn't. <laughs> it wasn't nice. <laughs> Pretty early on, I, I kind of made a similar decision. I never. Sometimes I'll tell a vulgar joke or I'll riff something. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but like for the most part, I always steer clear of like explicit like sexual stuff. Right. Because I feel like it's just kind of like easy and a lot of times just gross. Yeah. Like I'm I'm of the age now where it's like if there's a sex scene in a TV show, I'm like. Do we have to? You <laughs> yeah. know, this is, this does nothing. Yeah, like, yeah. who 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 is this for? Like the twelve year olds who don't know how to use yeah, the yeah. internet yet. Like, <laughs> it's I don't know, but yeah, I think it's I think it's a good lesson. So, you do these classes. You move to New York. What's your first open mic in New York? Yeah, um, or ever. My first open mic was was in Melbourne. Oh, really? um, okay. Was that a room called Station Station Fifty Nine? I think. Um, it actually went really well. Yeah, yeah it went really well. I, th- I think it's. I think that's like a thing. Your first open mic, you got this like sort of um, natural, almost like any bravado, almost like, and you just sort of come across naturally funny. I think. 
mm-hmm. um, which is certainly what I got told and was my experience. Like I had a decent set. Like, nice. Um, but yeah, my first one in New York. This, so when I moved to New York, I like because I. I did it for four or five months in Melbourne and I actually got some decent shows because I started at the workshops at the Comics Lounge. This is like a sold out. I think it's a four or 500 seater. Mm-hmm. Um, I actually got onto one of their shows because I progressed through that workshop. Wow. And I was like, this is sweet. So I think I did a Tuesday night. They would have sold like 150 tickets. And it was one of those ones where I like had a, had a good set and like... Um, I was chilling with my friends afterwards that came to see me and like then I had people coming up to me like uh like uh oh you you were great like do you have like a YouTube channel or some of that I'm like I've literally I don't what <laughs> you're like 2 months into <laughs> yeah, this yeah yeah exactly and my friends are going whoa like you're you're famous <laughs> <laughs> anyway so I and then I like I got another decent gig and then I was so I came to New York like honestly like a bit of a like naive fool and like almost like a little arrogant which looking back on I hated but um, so I got to, I got to New York and I had my jokes. I had about I had probably like five to ten minutes of yeah. like decent jokes. Mm-hmm. Um, I definitely had a, I definitely had my five that I use a lot. And then um, I got to New York and I was like, I'll be easy on myself. First open mic, I'll do my proper jokes. I'll do my top shit, and they're gonna love it. And then I'll then I'll ease into writing and like right. yeah, just be easy on yourself. And it was that I. It was like a couple. It was like a week or two into here, and it was a uh, open mic at Much More's. I've been there. Do you know where, I think it's in. Is it in Williamsburg? I I don't know if it exists, but I've spoken to uh, like it's like a mem- faded memory right now. But I've spoken to other comedians. And they're like, yeah, I remember that when that mic existed, but it was a bucket mic. We don't have bucket mics in Australia. Yeah, I didn't understand no. the concept. <laughs> I was like, I was like, yeah, I'm here pretty early. Sweet, I'll get on within an hour. It was like a three hour mic. I'm not yep. kidding. And then, well, you know how it is. And then. Um, I got picked out in the last of the last bracket, you know what I mean? Yeah. Like, and there was probably four comedians left in the room out of probably 50 that started. Like, it was just nuts. I'm like, what's going on? And then eventually they pulled my name out and I got up. And by that stage, they'd cut it from like five to three minutes. Uh. And it was like 11 p.m. at night. I Like, I work hospitality, so I had to be up really early the next day. And I got up and I just did my two best jokes. Yeah. And to silence yeah like to absolute silence <laughs> and i wasn't i wasn't living in um brooklyn at the time so like um i i just got off i couldn't believe it and i got the I remember getting the train home at like yeah it was close to midnight and i'm like this sucks yeah like, what have i done like <laughs> why hard. have i moved here this, like, is it all is it at all gonna be like this <laughs> i mean a lot of it was yeah i remember the first time i did a bucket mic like that I went up, I counted, I went up 47th. And it, it was just, I was like in a perform. And of course, when I got here, the stuff I thought was great back home sucked here. Yeah, yeah. It just, and then after doing that type of stuff for like a month and finding a couple good mics that were smaller and better. Yeah. But I remember just being like, dude, I suck at this. This For, is so hard. See, that's the thing. 47th. Like, it sounds like a joke. Like, it does. For people that are like, oh, is the comedy scene in New York hard? Like, it's like 47th. <laughs> What's nice is it's like, we don't do that anymore. Yeah. You know, every mic is a 15-person pre-sign up, which is bearable. Besides the uh, Lower East Side Old Man Hustle. Yeah. That's like, <laughs> that's like, I went, I went to sign up to one the other day and like, I was late. And they, I forgot who was hosting, but they're like, yeah, it, you're probably looking at two and a half hours. And I'm like, oh, like, I've got to be more prepared than this. Because <laughs> you do have the opportunity these days to be prepared. And 
yeah. sort of figure out like a little um, itinerary of mine. Yeah, that's that's still insane. Like every, the the longest mic I'm at now is at like like an hour and a half, or it might be my mic actually, which is like two hours. But yeah, I'm, yeah. Ha- I'm doing stuff the whole time. Yeah. You know? Holy shit, though! Like especially like you moving across the planet to come here. Yeah being like i got this i got a good five to ten and you come here and your first mic is just oh you're you're last and no one cares because everyone else is tired too yeah (laughs) they literally should have just said to me no one cares like that you're here or that 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 should be like uh i feel like as a new comedian that might actually be refreshing to hear (laughs) it's like don't sweat it. Nobody gives a fuck yeah. that you're in here. Like, that would have done me well. It, it would have done me well. Too. It would have saved me months of like anxiety. <laughs> I felt like when I first started, I would have um, there'd be audience members at the mics back where I started in Colorado. Yeah. So every time I felt like I really had to try or like redo my A material, and now I'm like, if I tell a joke I've told before and I've told it more than five times, I'm wasting my time. Like, yeah, yeah. I go there, I'll bomb any open mic and not give a shit. Yeah. I got to work on stuff. But back then, it was just like six months of like being nervous. Like, I got to impress everybody. Yeah, yeah, at the open mic. <laughs> it's like, no, and you don't. <laughs> audiences at an open mic, that is a, a luxury. Yeah. Did, um, did you do uh, any, um, during the pandemic, did you do comedy back in Australia? Uh, well, when I first moved back, we were in a very... Sh- uh, strict lockdown okay so it took a very long time for anything to sort of open up i did a couple of like zoom things uh, okay yeah which whatever. yeah but um but as soon as it sort of opened it back up me and a couple of friends did we put on like a little park show mm-hmm. that went okay but um <clears throat> and then melbourne was in and out of lockdown like so like right. guys like we're like trying to start rooms and then the government would announce another lockdown so it was just there just wasn't too much going on, but certainly at the start of this year, it was open for quite a while um, because I'd I'd been gone from like the Melbourne scene so long that like um, I don't think I did any mics, but what I was certainly was doing, I was I was sort of I had a car there, so I was just driving around to a couple of shows mm-hmm. and really just trying to like network and like sort of like relink with a couple of guys that I knew back in the scene before I left. Yeah, um, a couple of them had like been to New York. Mm-hmm. Um, pre-covid as well and like i was running a show at the time so i've given a couple guys gigs so it's sort of i got a few gigs sort of returning the favor type thing but um not so much performing open mics more so just showing my face and like yeah trying to just like sort of set up some friendships so like like, you know if travel between australia and us ever open again i can go back and maybe call on some people for a gig or like you know if someone comes here i'll hopefully have something set up to give to them but totally yeah no i get it Okay, yeah, because I was just curious because uh, Alex Richards, who we're yeah. both friends with, he said that like the mics where he would go when he would do mics in Australia, there would just be like forty audience members yeah. there to watch. No, like, definitely, definitely. When I started there in 2016, I remember most of the open mics had audience members. Then you come here, and then you're like, "Who am I yeah. telling jokes to?" Yeah. <laughs> it's like the four walls. Uh, that duh. <laughs> I, I've I've got a mate, one of my good mates, recently. He's like. Man, since COVID, I've just got this like new look on life. I just want to be doing stuff like most nights. Like I'm keen to go out. Hey, if you got like an open mic or something, just tell me about it. I'll come. And I'm just like, you do not want to come <laughs> to this. I, I would never do that to you. I would never do that. And then I'll say that. And he'll be like, no, mate, I just want to support you. And I'm like, I'm like, you don't. You don't. 
<laughs> and I, I know for a fact that if I, he can be as positive as he wants, but if I brought him to like one of these, open, like if I brought him to like a bloody Salah seventy seven mark, something like that, <laughs> he's not good. Yeah, it's not. That's he's not, not going to enjoy it. It's not an experience for an audience no, member. I walk out of there hating everyone and myself. <laughs> like you're not going to enjoy it. That's like such a wake up call. I feel like like going to a New York City open mic just to watch. Yeah, like, yeah. That that's gonna peel back all the mystery of what yeah, comedy yeah. is like you know yeah yeah <laughs> i had a couple friends come to a open mic back in boulder at this bike shop and there was like a good crowd like 15 people these two friends come and i actually had like a really good set but that's also because i knew there's audience so it was always mm. like perform the best you got and we left and one of my friends goes you know, I actually feel pretty cool being seen with you right now. I thought we were going to leave and be, like, embarrassed. <laughs> it's like, no, but if you saw me at these mics, yes. But also, it'd be like, oh, no, everyone here is intentionally working on things. It's yeah, fine. yeah, yeah. Like, if your friend wants to do something every night, be like, okay, listen, there's, like, a hundred shows going on. Any night, go to one of those. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Don't come to my mic. Don't come to the mic. Okay. <laughs> So you you uh, you have an awful open mic in uh, New York City when you first start. Yeah. Uh, what? How? <laughs> how long do you do awful open mics before you kind of get a groove where you feel a little bit better about it? Um. I remember. Uh, yeah, I, I was. I was. De- it was definitely. I was definitely doing awful open mics and continued to do awful open mics. But there was a point where I was okay with it. Yeah, where I became okay with yeah. it. Yeah. And it was. Um. I it was at uh, Creek in the Cave. Okay, um, classic three-hour yeah, mic. Yeah, this was like a couple months in, and I was I uh, yeah, it was at like the bottom with the glass doors, like the glass yeah. walls and stuff like that. And it was yeah, I was once again like up really late, and um, and I think with the Creek in the Cave mics, like, could you sort of just do anything? It was like two and a half minutes. You could just do whatever. Yeah. Yeah. And I remember they called the next bracket out and it was, I was on and I tried to remember the name of the person before me. And so then they called that name and it was this woman dressed in drag and she went up and she wasn't, I don't think she was a comedian, but she just went up and did like a little show and she ended up fully, like fully naked. Oh yeah, Bes- yeah. I know who you're talking about. Yeah. Besides, I think she had her underwear on, but bra was off and all that, and it was it was good. Like, but I was just like, and you know, I'd been waiting for two hours, and like, I was just like, and you know, there's just people partying in the bar, like at the yeah around, and you can see out to that. And I was like, this is crazy. And then, <laughs> um, and then I'm looking at what's happening on stage. I'm like, all right, this is. I didn't expect this at all. And then they called my name out, and yeah, it was like t- it's just like two and a half to three minutes or whatever. <clears throat> And yeah, I like I did I like I didn't do that well. I did like okay, but and like, at that time I didn't really know anyone, so I wasn't like hanging with anyone at the mic. So I lit- sort of just the mic finished, and like I just sort of went home. And it was so that was in Queens, wasn't mm-hmm. it? And then yeah, it was pretty far from where I live, so I like had a long train ride home. It was once again, it was very late, and yeah. I had to be up early in the morning. So you know, I'm thinking about like getting to bed on time and all this and trying to juggle this hospitality and comedy and i remember on the train home and this one like this thought popped into my head we're like that this is this is brutal like you know like waiting that long the person before me like they weren't even like doing jokes and 
and then I only had like two and a half to three minutes after waiting that long and I didn't even do that well. And then I just like, I just remember being on the subway and I just smiled and I laughed to myself and then I just, in my head, I just went, this is great. Yeah. Like I'd rather be doing <laughs> this than anything else. Right. And it is going to be hard and it's going to take a very long time. Um, but I just remember having this moment like, oh, I'm, I'm okay with this. Like I'm yeah. totally fine. Like this is what it's going to be. That's totally fine. And that's when I was like, all right, well, to do this, you got to like sort of like, you got to be okay with that. You got to make some friends because that's going to make it easier. You might want to start thinking about running your own show because mm-hmm. that'll get you like a regular decent stage and like, you know, yeah, that's, yeah. That, was, that was a few months in. I feel like that that moment is like so crucial because yeah. like what, what I would tell myself is after I moved here and it was like really hard for the like first few months is it was just like there are people who live their whole life without jumping on the risk that they wish they would have taken. Yeah, yeah. And here I am like doing something that's like a fantasy yeah. to a lot of people, you know? Yeah. I was like, even though it can suck sometimes, like this is a fairy tale. Yeah. Like I could just be working a nine to five, going home, making dinner and going to sleep. Yeah. It's like, but it's, I would rather be that, at some That was exactly bar, my know? thought. I, th- I think, I think I'd like always, I thought to like the future, like when say you have kids or you have grandkids, I'm like, I'd much rather tell the story yeah. about this shitty open mic in Queens at this like sort of like you know the creek in the cave had this like cult, it's a cult following like, yeah um <laughs> yeah where the person before me did what she did and then like i was waiting for two hours and then having to catch the trainer much rather tell that story than like i don't know like what, what else i was doing animation before all this and you know yeah which I, you know i consider pretty cool but like i'd much rather be telling this story than anything else right i i think about that too honestly i think like when i have kids one day I don't want them to be like I I didn't want them to be like like I tell them like oh I was a stand up comedian for a little bit and I like gave up or something it's like I want yeah. them to be like oh no I am a comedian yeah, like, yeah. I've been doing this forever you know yeah it's that, it's like if you make that leap and you're you're in it enough to make the leap to come here you're not going to quit no yeah I've actually been having that thought a lot lately mm-hmm. just like because it's like right i feel do you are you feeling that right right now the new york it's so competitive like it is there is so many people doing and there is so many mics there are so many shows yeah clubs are back open and it's it's like at times it's overwhelming especially if you're not at a like i'm nowhere near a level that i'm i myself am content with or could even from an outside point of view could be considered like successful so it's like still got a lot of work to go um but on the other end, like my other life is working at a very busy um, restaurant spot. Mm-hmm. And I've just, that's been going through my head a lot lately where it's like, do, like you have moved all the way here. Like, do you want to, like, do you actually want to keep doing it? And the answer is always yes. Cause it's like, Hey, a, I'm not going to do anything. I don't want to do anything else. And B, right. it's just like, I want to, I, I want to work hard and get to a point where it's like, no, that's, this is what I am. This is what I do. Right. Um, not not in ten years, but like oh, I did, I did that. I used to do that. Like, right, I did it for five years. You know? Exactly. Yeah, and uh, like also, it's like, what are you gonna, <laughs> what are you gonna do? Yeah. You, if you stop comedy, you're just gonna be working at a restaurant. Yeah, it's yeah. just busy. Like, yeah. I don't know. It's that you, you. I feel like the people who stick with it for more than like six months are just gonna stick with it almost indefinitely. Yeah, you know, like. I, I can't imagine doing comedy for, like, I've been doing it three years, you've been doing it for five. I can't imagine being at that point in the game and being like, 
nah, I'm good. You yeah, know? yeah. Like, yeah. it's also sunk cost fallacy where it's like, well, I've come this far. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. But I think the um, the competitive nature of it, I think what's helped me a lot is just res- like, I feel like I've emotionally withdrawn from like the competition aspect of it where I want to have fun. I want to get better. I want to write new jokes. I want to be on stage. I want to feel like I'm capable of producing funny things. Right. And I want to have a good time. And then outside of that, if people want to book me, that's great. If they don't, that's yeah. fine. I don't care. Like, I'm not, I don't think it's worth stressing about anymore because, like, there's so many people who get booked all the time who are terrible people or not very funny comedians. And yeah. I'm like, you know, it's all just bullshit. Yeah. Like, I'm just going to chill. No, I know. Tell you, jokes. Of course. I know what you mean by that. I listened to this really um, awesome podcast uh, the other week. Oh, God. You know, I'm talking about how great it was. I can't even remember the name. <laughs> it was like it was. It was all about. Uh, it was a couple of Australian guys, and they got this like guy in, and he works with. I think he works with like maybe celebrities and sports stars. All about like, you know, figuring out what your purpose in life is, and, mm-hmm. that. and they talk about like, um, making your purpose all about like. Just think about what you want to make your purpose, and like think about make it simple. Like, yeah, don't base it around what you do for work. Don't base it around this and that. Like. So one of the guys, like, for example, my purpose in life is just to look after my wife and look after my kids. And he's got a whole job, a whole, like, couple of jobs. He's got everything else around him, but that's his purpose. So mm-hmm. that's his priority. Everything else is, like, a bonus. Yeah. Um, and that's what I went, like, because, you know, you stress about, like, I still definitely still stress about, like, am I going to make it in comedy? Mm-hmm. Am I going to earn enough money? Can, when can I quit my other job? Like, do you know what I mean? Yeah. And then I listen to this and I'm like, that's not what you, that's not how you should be thinking. So right. like I'm like, what if my purpose is to just, you know, make people happy and make people laugh, and then like, you know, anything that happens with my other job, that's a bonus. Yeah. And if I ever get booked, that's a bonus. Exactly. If I ever catch a break, that's a huge bonus. But if I can just sort of like, put a smile on someone's face and have fun myself, that's a good life. Right. You know exactly. What I mean? Yeah. It's it, it it doesn't have to be hard. Like that's a very great way of looking at it. You know. Yeah. Because. When it's like when people say, when you start comedy, don't think about it like, okay, when am I going to start making money from this? Because that's yeah. the wrong attitude. It's truly like, do it because you love it. Yeah. And just, you're just going to keep doing it, you yeah. know? Like, I feel like there's one thing that is encouraging, I think, about New York City. I've said this before on the podcast, is how many avenues you have to make it mm-hmm. in just the creative fields, right? Like, for comedy, it's like you can be a writer, you can like for TV or books or like magazines, websites, whatever, or you can like make sketches, like you can just be a regular stand up comedian, you can like work at a club. Like there's so many different things you can do within comedy, mm. and there's so many opportunities of those things that it's like everyone will find their place somewhere, yeah. you know? There's no. There's no need to be like, oh, it's never going to happen. Nothing's ever going to happen. Because there's like a million things that could happen. Yeah. And they're all rooted in this. Yeah. There's, and there's just like this, because, you know, we have that need to like do, like as comedians, we have that like need to like put content out there and do stuff and get yeah. that fixed. And there's, yeah, there's just so many things. Like that's why, like, you know, the, why I've been trying to start this podcast. Cause yeah. Because it's like, all right, like I, I want to be doing something else and like I need to, just like I need to have like my fix in another way and like put more content out there. And it's just so, you know, you do have to work hard, but it's just so accessible and so easy to do. There's right. just always an opportunity. Exactly. It's like, and just like 
it's fun that it's like you do a fun thing and sometimes people ask you to do other fun things because yeah. you have fun doing your fun thing yeah, yeah. you know it's like when you asked me to do this i was like that's fun yeah <laughs> exactly of course i'll do that <laughs> it's just like a little bit more fun on top of yeah, the fun yeah, you're yeah. already having you yeah. know <laughs> yeah i'm already having so much fun and now maxim's asked me to have more fun <laughs> it's so hard and then at the end of this you go all right that'll yeah. be 750 dollars <laughs> yeah just send you an invoice i've got your email so you expect it <laughs> So what was your uh what was your first show that you were booked on in New York City like? Um oh and how'd you get it? God, I should remember that, shouldn't I? <laughs> what was my first show? Oh. so it would have been in 2017. God, I, I couldn't even tell Whoa. you. Yeah. Wow. <laughs> I should remember that moment. Yeah. Well, I remember my one in Australia, like that was technically right. my first. Um it may have even just been like a Broadway. Mm-hmm. Well, not, it's not getting booked, but like it's that st- the bringer yeah. concept. But um, how did you feel when you started getting on shows here, though? Yeah. Like after after horrible open mics for a um, while, it's a really good feeling. Yeah. Like, um, like to receive an inbox from mm-hmm. someone, like to receive a message from someone specifically asking if you want to do their show. Yeah, is like a gra- really great feeling. Totally. Um, yeah, I think I, yeah, I can't remember the first one, but I do remember like, I do remember a day, like a night where um, Sarah Harvard was starting that Nervous Laughter show. Mm-hmm. This was like a while before COVID. Mm-hmm. She ended up building it up to like a cr- crazy huge show. Yeah. Because she was selling out that secret loft room. Yeah. She was getting like Ronnie Chang. David Cross Yeah, David there. Cross. I went to that show. It was like David Cross, Sean Patton, Ronnie Chang on the one show. And, Jesus. And my buddy, do you know Jimmy HVD? Uh-uh. He hosted it. <laughs> Me and our other mate, Nick Wen, we're like, Are you hosted the shit? He's like, I don't, this is crazy. <laughs> but I remember the first ever one she did of that, mm-hmm. um, and it was the, the whole theme of that show started as um, like she was getting um, comedians from different places around the world to okay. um, to to uh, to speak about their experiences in comedy and you know tell jokes, but right. also to keep it around where they're from and like, right. Know. Yeah, and so this by no means was my first ever one in New York, but like just to describe the feeling, you know, to get a notification and to get that uh, message saying, "Hey, would you like to be on this? I think you'd be great for it because, you know, in my case, like you're from Australia. I think you're funny. Um, can you speak about this, this, and this? And you know, like it was, it's just, it's just great. It's a nice feeling. You have something to look forward to. And this is gonna sound really dumb, but like, just like getting your stupid name on a stupid flyer. It's like you just go, ooh, <laughs> it's so nice. It's so nice. <laughs> I can repost this. Yeah. And what what I do now is like I I'll occasionally go to my tagged photos and just scroll down, be like, in case someone looks at my profile, I'll be like, okay, what shows is he on? Looks in the tag. It's yeah. like, ah, oh, nice. <laughs> Slowly working up a collection. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I like. With my show with uh, David Dobbins, like we, we each hit we we each choose two people a week to book, and I we split the the messaging, and I part of it is because like some of us know people better or whatever, but I like to split up the messaging because part of me wants both of us to experience that like giving someone that like yeah. hey do you want a spot and they're like yes well, you know that's on the other side giving someone a spot is just a it is it's almost a, as good a feeling it feels great. Um, <laughs> I ran. When did you move to the city? Two years ago. 
So I run a show from late late two thousand late two thousand and eighteen. Okay. So November two thousand eighteen, I think, was the first show, or October, and all the way through to like uh, January two thousand and twenty, just before COVID. Oh, really? Yeah, in Alphabet City, we called it Comfy Comedy, um, and we booked we booked probably like six or seven comedians mm-hmm. um, a week. And yeah, and just shooting that message, people are stoked on it. You know what's even better than that? Hmm. When you've got a bit of extra time in the show and you just pull someone aside and you go, yeah. do you want to do five? I did it to a mate once and he was like, oh, <laughs> like, this is great. <laughs> and he killed it. And like yeah. I was, I was before he went on, I was like, good luck, have fun. Like, you know, it wasn't it. it we, we packed it out sometimes and it was, it was buzzing a lot of the time. Mm-hmm. It was a really fun show. And like, um, and, but you know, it also wasn't, a club it wasn't yeah. that serious i said man I just have fun like you know there's i think there would have been i think most nights we had like 30 to 40 people in there mm. which is good i'm like yeah they're loving it it's all good he, and he killed it and i was just like hey this is great it made me feel awesome yeah. like, you know? <laughs> it's like when someone does that when they're like hey do you want do you want to go up it's yeah. like i would kill for you right now <laughs> like i would die for yeah, you yeah. <laughs> i remember um i think it was like the week or two before before uh you're on drool Okay, yeah. Um, and I just went to chill. And yeah. I'd been to a couple. And Britt came up to me and was like, um, so-and-so is running late. Do you want to do five? And I was like, <laughs> I just grabbed her and kissed her. Like, yeah. <laughs> but I was, at the same time, I was like, yeah, I like, like, Jewel's a great show. And like, mm-hmm. you know, it's also at times difficult because it's an outdoor space. Right. Um, and yeah, so I was like, oh, you know, and I just, I just flown back after the spending the pandemic in Australia, right? Um, so I was, I wasn't too, um, mm-hmm. I wasn't, you know, well oiled back into the scene, but um, yeah, I just, I was also like a, a bit stressed, and but you know, I made it work, and nice, but yeah, it was, it was, uh, it was, it's, a, it's a great feeling. I we at my show we have built in two guest spot slots, and we just if you show up. Before the show starts, we put your name in a raffle, yeah. and then we just randomize it, which is like takes away some of the fun of like picking people. But I would pick favorites every single time if I did that. So. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, exactly. <laughs> so it gives give people some hope, you know. It, it just takes out any like I don't know stress or arguments like yeah. off you. Um, how how out of interest? How many how many names are you getting? Um, like showing up and putting their name in the in the you know like eight to ten. Oh, I like those odds. Yeah, those are pretty good odds. <laughs> yeah. Like, and uh, there's times where it's like, oh, if someone got did it last time, like, but they show up again, it's like you don't get entered. You so know? you just don't. You just say, I'm, I'm, I won't put you in this week. Just maybe yeah. next week. Yeah, exactly. You know, I don't. I don't want this show to be a circle jerk about yeah. me and all my friends. Yeah, <laughs> you of know, course. we've had some people who are just straight up like never met them before comedians who showed up to watch and they got in. That's and great spot. And they See, I well. like that. So I think. Um, I think that needs to be a, a bigger thing, um, rewarding people that show face. People yeah. people talk about it a lot, but I still don't like. I still don't think it's rewarded enough. I don't think it is. I can firmly say I talked about this on Chase Shanahan's episode. Is as a producer, I already know who I want to book. You showing up to my show or not does not remind me that I'm like it doesn't do anything for me as in like oh i'm gonna book you if i was gonna book you i was gonna book you if i wasn't i wasn't right like you can hang out and be friendly and it's appreciated but like there's no there's very little incentive 
to like there's very little motivator for that you know i don't right. know it's it's a weird like thing like i don't but everyone's like yeah just hang out at shows and you'll get booked it's like I think the key is is you just actually need to be friends with people and have people yeah. think you're funny. Like, yeah, yeah, that's it. Yeah. So you're saying it shouldn't be rewarded. I think it, I think the producers should reward it. And like I yeah. like I got the idea for my system uh, because Menno Fernandez did a show last mm. summer where he did that. He was like, "Yeah, the comedians who show up, like we're just gonna do a bucket for two guest spots." Right, and I right. was like, oh, "That's really that's like a great idea because just like it." Like, if you just go to watch a show as a comedian, you're do like, one, maybe there's some people in the lineup that you really want to see, or two, you're, like, hoping you can be on the show in the future. Yeah. And if you just do the bucket, you can just alleviate the pressure from the second option. You know, it's like, yeah, yeah, yeah sure, maybe you'll go up. So it's did Mena come up with that? I don't know if he did, but that's where I, class. That's where I saw it, and I yeah. was like, oh, okay, I like that. That's I, a good vibe. I remember when I was running, you make a good point, like... Like I was saying, they should be rewarded, but it's like, yeah, you know, if you want to book someone. Um, but I remember when I was running my show, there was this guy that rocked up a couple. He, he showed up a couple of times, and in my head, I'm like, like I'd seen him at open mics and stuff, and like, nice dude. But like, I had only been doing comedy for a little bit, and I'm like, I just hope he doesn't think that, mm-hmm. like, by showing up two weeks in a row, he's gonna get booked. And then he ended up coming up to me like. We end up, you know, we we would chat, and I think we we're at the bar afterwards. And he's like, "Man, this is a good show. Like, you know, I just hope to, I just hope to one day like be good enough to deserve a spot on the show. I know I'm not there yet, but I'll, you know, I'll keep coming to support. But one, I'm gonna keep working. And I was just like, "That's great. How cool <laughs> is that that he said that? And yeah. it alleviated all the stress because I was like, because when we started the conversation, I'm like, he's gonna ask me for a spot for sure. Yeah. <laughs> Um, it's it's like the weird thing that you just everyone in the back of their mind is so hyper aware of it it's like just don't be that guy just if you want to show up to the show show up to the show and be like hey you did a good job producing this show yeah. and then you can just leave and that's great yeah yeah <laughs> what do you think about the uh what do you think about the the follow-up like instagram message or facebook message the hey oh once again nice seeing you at the nice show you run a great room Oh, do you, if, if by chance there's a spot that I, do you agree with that follow-up message or do you think that that's not, shouldn't be a thing? I don't think people should generally ever ask for spots. Right. I think people will just get spots, you yeah. know? I think there's like little, like if your friend, if you're like good friends with someone, like you're close with someone and they like give you a nudge, like, hey, what, uh, what am I going to get on that? It's yeah, like, yeah. okay, yeah, whatever. You know, yeah. I was like, I, I'm already thinking of you you nudging me is just like a joke like you get it you know right but i i just i've only asked for one spot ever and it was on this podcast with shafi because he was like yeah we do three penthouse shows a week at this point we're just booking whoever to give people stage time and i was like can he's like whoever asks i pretty much just put him up I'm like we can can i just ask right now he's like yeah of course i was like <laughs> all right that's all it took <laughs> like because i'm not an asker i don't i don't think about that i'm i'm always like if people want me there they'll they'll put me on you know yeah and that's fine with me like i don't i had some i've had some really good comedians message me tapes and i'm like why i okay i'm not like an amazing comedian i'm not like this is pathetic but it's also like dude i would have just booked you you're really good (laughs) yeah you're really good like people know you for being really good yeah yeah i i I, I used to when i used to run my room i would get that as well it's just like yeah i've already thought about you (laughs) um (laughs) 
I used to, I won't say this person's name, but when I was running a show, I would have this dude message. He messaged me like two or... Th- By the way, I'd already given him a gig. Also, he already, he was already running his own show that he had never booked me on. And I had already given him a gig. And he messaged me, I think there were like two or three times he messaged me, hey man, I'm like, I'm just trying to book my September. <laughs> like, I'm just trying to book my September. Do you have any... Do you have any um? Do you have any spots? It's like, yeah, man, I'm trying to book my fucking September as well, but I'm not just going out shooting my shot like willy nilly with just like people that I myself owe gigs to, like yeah, like. And I just wrote back like, hey, man, like you know what I wanted to say was I know for a fact that you run a show. I've already put you up once, like, um, and now you're asking me for more spots and you haven't even given. Like, I think sometimes it should be paid back, but like, not that I. I wouldn't mm-hmm. care if it wasn't paid back, but then the fact that you're now coming back to me saying you're trying to book your September, like, um, this like is- everyone's trying to book their fucking September. <laughs> everyone's trying to get booked. Like, this sounds like a premise for a Seinfeld episode. Yeah. Like- <laughs> <laughs> but like, I, I, I just it's okay. One thing I also think in these situations, like when people do frustrating stuff like this, I tell myself that like certain people fall for it, but also. You're not necessarily getting ahead. You're just getting on more indie shows. Yeah. And everyone knows everyone else. You know, yeah. it's like if you get booked, you know, a hundred times or three hundred times in a year versus you get booked like twelve times in a year, you're still most for the most part, if you're like an open micer that you're hanging out in the community, people still know you. Yeah. Like I don't know. I always feel like people people especially who are like assholes who are really competitive it's like they think that when they get ahead that it's going to be easier for them but it's like the truth is if you're an asshole now people are gonna you're gonna get ahead and then people are gonna just know you're an asshole yeah like the people who are on the other side of the lawn are like oh we could tell you're an asshole too because yeah yeah i don't know i think I believe in good behavior in comedy. <laughs> yeah, must be nice. Mate, it's just in life in general. Yeah. <laughs> One thing I noticed because I missed the whole pandemic, and right. you and I have spoken about this, but like, you know, like the whole uh, I missed the whole tiny cupboard craze, and like, yeah. um, and the rooftop shows and the park shows and stuff like that. And but when I came back, I noticed, as you were saying, like even like open mic, open mic level, like just people like um. People just know each other now. Yeah. Like, you go to any spot in Brooklyn, mm-hmm. any sort of show in Brooklyn, people just know whether they're up here or they're, like, open mic level, like, just because everyone was probably hanging out at the same spots. That's exactly what it was. Yeah, which I, I think is really great. I think it was what was nice um, about last summer was that it took the comedy scene of, like, a thousand people and it just boiled it down. It just, like, yeah. became, like, a thick sauce where it's like, oh, there's, like, like okay so there's a hundred open micers right and then there's like a hundred people who are above all of them getting like booked who are working comedians or whatever and like the tiny cupboard was great because it was like oh we have indie shows and open mics the same spot free mics free shows all this where it's like huge names are coming through right after a mic full of brand new people yeah and there was like i don't know there's a good intermingling it's it's a lot friendlier now I think in the before time you come to New York City to do comedy and you're entering a world full of strangers yeah. who are all angry at themselves and their time and like open mics and all this. The pandemic reset that. Yeah. Where it's like, oh, we should be grateful for 
Come, you should have fun and be nice to people. Yeah, I would agree with that. I uh, I can't wait for it to turn shitty again. <laughs> <laughs> I'll give it one more year. <laughs> yeah, I I don't know. I I was struggling at the beginning of this year in the spring when uh, new comedians were starting. I was like, oh, I thought we were the people who did comedy in 2020. I thought that was going to be it. I didn't think new people were going to start. But yeah, there's a lot of new people there starting. So right now. like, this is the difference between. I was having this chat the other day, like. Melbourne, Melbourne, like every single show, like that you'll see on Facebook or Instagram, the flyer goes up. You know everyone on that bill. Mm-hmm. You know every comedian. Like there might be one or two times where you don't know that person, and that person might be someone that just started recently. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. I saw a I saw a flyer for a show in like Manhattan or Brooklyn the other day. Like ten comedians, I knew none of them. Yep, <laughs> none of them. <laughs> And that happens a lot. Mm-hmm. Probably once a week, there's a flyer where I'm like, who the hell are these people? <laughs> and I'm like, it looks like they're all doing better than me. <laughs> just, just like, <laughs> oh, there's 10 reasons to feel bad about myself. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> no, I think it, I find that encouraging, though, that it's like, oh, the comedy world even here is bigger than you think it is. Yeah. It's like, it's just like more reason to just chill out about it, you know? Yeah. I don't know. It's a, it's a wild thing though. I've definitely, I've definitely done an open. I oh, when was this? In like May, I did a tiny cupboard mic on the rooftop that my friend Brian runs with Lee, and I go up to this rooftop and I know one out of fifteen comics up there, and I was like, what? Yeah. This is like a Twilight Zone episode. Like we, <laughs> every we've swapped everyone from your scene from like another country or something. Yeah, like, yeah, yeah. And it was just like. Okay, so now I'm gonna do my A material at this open mic because I have to let every single one of these yeah. new people know that I'm funny. <laughs> yeah. Wait, was when what what time was it? Like when what period was this? Like spring, like vaccination spring. Right. Yeah. So this was like peak. Like this was like when everyone knew each other. Like everyone was doing the tiny cupboard. Yeah. And then all of a sudden, there was just one night where there's this whole random crew. Yeah, of the, like new comics. Yeah, it was like because we, we had the winter where everything shut down. It was right. miserable, no comedy. And then it was like as soon as it started getting warm, and then the vaccinations came out, and then there was just a bunch of people there that I didn't know. I was like, "What yeah. is happening?" Yeah, was Lee surprised as well? <laughs> uh, she wasn't there that night, but Brian was. He right. was like, "I don't know what, who are these people are." <laughs> <laughs> Someone like playing a prank on us. Yeah, like, sometimes it feels like that when I get, when I see the signups for my mic now at our place. I'm like. 10 of these names aren't real people. There's yeah, no yeah. way. I don't want to let these people into my house. <laughs> <laughs> Shh, <don't> tell them. <laughs> oh my god. So you so you ran uh, the show up until the pandemic then, mm-hmm. right? How so you, how uh, Yeah. It's so like what what would you say was that more than a year? It's like a year and a half. A little over a year. Um I ended up I ended up pulling out of the show around I think we had a big Christmas show December 2019 mm-hmm. and we actually um we actually did that at the comic strip live oh wow up for east side because we had a little we got like a, we had like a little in there um and we sold i think we sold 150 to 180 tickets whoa um we were like should we book a headliner um and they're like no nah, we'll book a headliner for you they booked michael rapaport and we were just like holy shit <laughs> <laughs> so we just immediately started pushing that on our instagram and then he ended, <laughs> and he, he ended up um uh, he ended up having to cancel because you know 
He's fucking Mark Rappaport. Like, why wouldn't he cancel? <laughs> um, and then we booked a couple of headliners. We booked one ourselves and they found one as well. But um, so we had a show there. And then we took like a month off, I think. And I just reassessed in that time. And mm. um, I realized that I was running a show for the wrong reasons. And I was running a show because I was like, um, I was running a show to like try and network. And I was running a show... Um, I don't know, just to have a show and this mm. and that. And I wasn't actually writing. Um, I wasn't yeah. writing enough material. Mm. Um, so I'd come to my show um, with doing like sim- similar jokes that I'd been doing. And I'm like, I'm like, this is good, um, but it's a lot of work. I'm yeah. spending a lot of time on like, I was, I was designing the flyers and everything. Um, I'm spending a lot of time on this. I'm spending a lot of time trying to book comedians and I'm spending a lot of time trying to fill these this room every, right. every, every second Wednesday. Um, and I'm not actually focusing on what the essence of being a comedian is. Right. Um, so I texted my friends that I ran it with and I'm like, I, I'm, I'm going to pull out of this. And I think they ran it for another couple of months up until COVID. Mm. Um, yeah. And then COVID hit. Okay. Yeah. That's good to introspect on. I will say that having a weekly show like I is has been good for me because I feel like I have to push myself to write or like come up with like one or two new things or have swappable sets. So I'm not yeah. doing the same thing every week. Yeah. So that would kill me. But I'm in, I'm in a spot now where like, I'm just writing, I'm writing a ton. Yeah. And um, so that sort of experience put me off r- running a show, but I really, I realized why I was put off by it. So now I'm, I'm writing a ton and now I, I'm I sort of, I'm open to running an, another mm. show. Yeah. In which case I would, you know, um, yes, I would place importance on, um, you know, branding, the branding of it, um, trying to get people to the room, trying to book good comedians. But I wouldn't, I, I wouldn't start the show unless my priority was to be like writing, at least coming to each show with like one or two new, like decent little bits. Right. Yeah. What kicked off your uh, writing streak re- recently? Um, moving back yeah. to New York, moving back and just sort of like, I, I had a really good life back in Melbourne for the last year, June. Mm-hmm. You, know, um, you know, obviously pandemic you know it was hard in a lot of ways but i got to spend time with my family which i hadn't done in like three or four years um and so when i moved back i was just like i just sort of said to myself you just um stop trying to uh stop trying to find um ways where you might try and catch a break or like you know or try and use networking as the way to progress forward in comedy and actually just write and show up to marks and show up to shows. Mm-hmm. Um, and the minute that you start just sitting down and writing, it's like everything else comes. Yeah. Like if you, if you sit down and write and you've got a new joke that you're excited about, guess what? You're motivated to go to a mic. And right. If you sit down and write a second joke that you're excited about, hey, let's go to two, three marks this night. You know? Yeah. Uh, if, you do, if you start doing that a lot, guess what? People think you're funny. Yep. Guess what? They book you on shows. Yeah. Um, that's how it happens. Like mm-hmm. I was thinking, like, oh, if I run my own show and network and this and that. No. So when I got back, I was like, all right, you're you're back now. Um, make sure make sure you're doing the work. And yeah. So I've just I've just been writing a ton. That's great. Yeah. That's a really good outlook on it too. Mm. I feel like I went on vacation and I went to Michigan for like five days. I wrote so many new bits. I was like, oh, truly, like me writing new bits. Where it comes down to me not spending all of my time doing comedy. <laughs> yeah, 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 exactly. <laughs> Which is very, very like a refreshing thing to think. Where I'm like, oh, 
I can give myself a break and I don't have to feel bad because I will think of something because I won't be just going to mics and burning old material. Yeah. You know? There's this, it's like this beautiful middle ground that you have to like try yeah. and achieve. This is, um, not, not trying to name drop here at all, but just, this is just, I met this person just by chance because I work in like in a sort of an Australian concept cafe, mm-hmm. um, as we were laughing about earlier, uh, <laughs> Uh, Ronnie Cheng, the comedian, he started comedy in Melbourne. Um, okay, yeah, yeah. So he is, and he lived in Australia for a long time, and he so he's got a strong affiliation with Australia. So he like he, I've, you see, you'll see on his Instagram, he goes to like Australian cafes, and like, mm-hmm. he likes where I work. I won't mention the name, but he likes where the place that I work. He's been in a bunch of times, and I usually steer clear of like saying hello to celebrities because it's you know it's like yeah. Greenwich Village, New York. There's a ton, mm-hmm. like um, there's a ton <laughs> that come in. But um, like you can't, I didn't couldn't look past that. So I'm not saying hi, you know. So I was like, oh hey, like blah blah, blah. and we got chatting about Melbourne, and you know it was so fun because we like, he's like, he's like, yeah, I remember my first mic was this one. I'm like, that's where I did my first mic. Wow. Yeah, it was really cool, and he was like so lovely. Mm-hmm. But um, I remember he was sort of like, oh, like I think you've made the right um call, like moving to New York because there's so much um opportunity here. Um, as much as he also said as great as the Melbourne scene is, but mm-hmm. so much good opportunity here. But one thing he did say, because I think I, I think I must have been sort of conveying this like stress and like, and I was like, oh, I just got to work harder, man. I got to write more. I'm going to go to more mics. And he actually sort of stopped and he was like, mate, like, yes, you do have to do that. But there's a lot to say about like making the right decisions and knowing when to like stop and write and take some time off, knowing when to show your face at a show versus bust your ass at three mics. Mm-hmm. Knowing when to like hang at a club versus like doing a mic. He's like, some, he's like, he's like, there's, he's like, yeah, like some people have made it off the back of doing six mics a night. Mm-hmm. Good on them. They're hard workers. But he's like, some people have also made it by knowing when to do what. Right. Um, I think he was sort of, and also said about himself, that's how he sort of played it. But I was like, and it was like, it was like so nice to hear because, like, yes, you have to do the, you have to work hard. That's that's a fact. But like hearing that you, maybe you don't have to just go, holy shit! If I don't do thirteen mics tonight, I'm a failure. <laughs> like, yeah, maybe there is like, you know, yes, do a lot of mics, but maybe you know, don't feel bad about like taking two, three days off and just riding in a pad and not even getting up on stage. Yeah, and then. When you're ready to go back on stage, guess what? You've got eight minutes mm-hmm. of just not well-formed jokes, but fresh bits that you're like yeah. really enthusiastic about. That's the best getting, and especially when you like happen to write like a really good one. Yeah. Like, oh yeah. It's yeah, just yeah. like that new joke smell is yeah, the yeah. best when you just bring it out to mics and you're like, I cannot wait for this bit. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and at, and at that point, it's like not tight yet. And like yeah. at that point, it's still very conversational. Mm. I think that's the most beautiful like point where it's like, and you know, obviously the aim is to like, you know, cull words and like tighten it up and like this and that. But that time when you like, you've, you, you're either taking it to the first mic or like your first few. And it's mm. just at this beautiful point where you're sort of talking your way through it, but you've got the, you got the punchlines. Right. Uh, yeah. I I love that. Honestly, yeah. like. Lee, Lee will give me shit. She's like, you can't just get up on stage and talk about what happened to you this week and expect it to be funny. Yeah. That's absolutely what I do. And you're like, yes, watch me. Lee. <laughs> I will do it every single time. I just, it's like, I, 
I know that I write I write the best stuff when I'm talking and I'm verbalizing through an idea. Yeah. And especially with the pressure of being on stage and be like, all right, you started your own countdown. Like you gotta add a punch somewhere on the end of this thing. And then that's where I get all my fun stuff. Yeah. I, I love it. <laughs> that's that's your kink. Yeah. That's my that's my kink. It's just riffing about some weird thing that I did at work or whatever. <laughs> Yeah, I, I think like what you like what he said about the knowing what to do when is just so valuable too. Because when I st- when I first started in New York City, it was like, okay, we are only paying attention to people who are doing four mics a day, three mics a day. You know, those are the people that are setting the pace for everyone else. Yeah, and everyone who's not doing that, you get to feel bad about yourself. Yeah, but I I, I can do two mics in a day, and then I'm like all right, I'm good. Yeah. And if I do that too many days in a row, I'm like, fuck this, you know? Yeah. I think the sweet spot is like, like maybe doing three to five mics a week and then like plus my show, you yeah, know? Yeah. And it's like a very chill yeah. amount. The other thing is like, you don't know what people have to do to afford to live in this city. Yeah. Yeah. Some people are very lucky. Mm-hmm. Like, and, and you know, good on them. I would love to be lucky. Um, Some people have to work really hard at a different job ridiculous hours yeah do you know what i mean so some people simply may not be able to get to um mics doesn't mean they're not working hard right um so i think that whole like you know rewarding people just for like how many mics they're doing isn't i mean yeah good on them for working hard but like i don't think it's the best um thing like definitely isn't it always should just be like who the fuck's funny yeah yeah and you know if someone didn't do four mics a night for the last week but they're funny as fuck doesn't mean they shouldn't they should be rewarded because they're funny right yeah totally i think yeah but uh then i wouldn't get booked <laughs> <laughs> you know, neither i feel like i was just thinking for a second there i was like man what if we got rid of all the independent shows and then we just had open mics, but open mics were just so we could tell who's funny enough to be on like club spots. <laughs> I'm like, ah, that's a lot of pressure. Yeah. <laughs> am I how how many people am I funnier than? I'm like, oh god, maybe like eight. <laughs> You've somehow managed to think of a way to make the New York comedy scene more toxic. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> the ultimate toxic. If anything, just like being able to have a couple friends start a random show for doing like oh now we get 10 minutes every week like yeah, yeah. that's the only saving grace to this whole thing <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> sometimes i say like the fact that i now have a weekly show that i have a 10 minute spot on because it's my show that's the one day a week where i get to feel like a real comedian yeah, yeah. no matter what else happens yeah, yeah. Like, all right yeah we barked <laughs> a bunch of people in they're laughing at my jokes and I'm yeah, good, you know? <laughs> Even walking to work that day, you're probably just like, get the fuck out of my way. This is my day. Yeah. I'm a comedian today. <laughs> Dude, this is this is a bizarre thing I did recently. Um I got I'm I'm getting into this war game I used to play when I was younger, you know, like some tabletop strategy type shit. And I was like looking for someone to play with. So I went on the Reddit. And then I was like calling out to people in Brooklyn who want to play. And then I, I ended up getting invited to a Discord server. And then I ended up like putting out a call there and someone wanted to play with me. And so we started talking a little bit. And it was the first time in years where I entered a space that where I wasn't like 
in the back of my mind, I'm a comedian, so yeah. none of this matters. It's like I came into a space and I was like, all right, now I got to meet someone and we actually have to have like a strategic battle. And my <laughs> comedy skill means shit here. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> did you like, did you, were you like, oh, my comedy skill means shit? Or did you like just even completely forget that you're a comedian? I like it. It was like completely forget I'm a comedian. <laughs> it like did not matter. It was, it was fascinating. Like he was a really cool, really nice guy. We had a great time, but it was like, it was just we were so focused in the game we did not talk about personal shit at all. We're yeah, just yeah. like, let's just fucking get to it. Let's that, roll some dice. That would have been so refreshing. It was it was so nice. I, like afterward, like Lee was giving me shit. She was like, How's your little nerd game? And I was like, Oh, it was so <laughs> just <Yeah>. splendid. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I um my I I uh went to a bar the other night just mm-hmm. by my my phone died. And I left it at home and I just went down to the local bar and I sat there for two hours, no phone. And I just watched the bartender work. Not in a cre- not in a creepy way. <laughs> I just he, stared down was, the bartender. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> he was really hustling. He was really busy and he was really hustling. And I just sort of like watched him move, watched him interact with people mm-hmm. for like two hours. And for those two hours, and I haven't done that. I haven't I haven't spent more than five <laughs> minutes away from my phone for years. But for two hours. Yeah, for two hours and like, I remember zoning back in after like an hour and be like, I haven't thought about comedy or about the pressures of life <laughs> and will I ever make it for the last hour because I've just been watching this guy work. Um, so therapeutic. And, and then I just, I just went, this is great. And I just like zoned back into like watching him do what he does, went home and like honestly woke up that next day just like, I need to do that more often. I need, yeah. yeah. It's like the... It's incredible how much better your self-esteem is when you're not constantly bombarded with show flyers of shows you're not on. Uh, <laughs> I'll scroll and I'll just, I'll scroll. It just gets to a point where I'm like, hey, you're, well, you're the, <laughs> evidently, judging by all these Instagram stories and posts and flyers, you're the worst comedian ever. <laughs> and then, <laughs> um, obviously. <laughs> And then I have to just stop and be like, you need to put your phone down. You know, you can't keep doing this. Yeah. And also, I think it's like because we're in the, the microcosm of New York comedy scene where it's like, you're, you're right. The comedy opportunity here is bigger. But also, it's like, if you leave here, you're the funniest person in any village. Yeah. Like, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. You can go to any other city, any other town and be like, all right, I'm going to do this for real now yeah, on yeah. my terms, you yeah. know? But here it's just like all right, you know we're all we're all trying our best. <laughs> I remember 2017. I've been here for like I think six months or so, and a few of my friends were still living in Eugene, Oregon, where I went to college. Mm-hmm. And I went back there and I did a I did a show. Mm-hmm. And like you said, it was like like not only was I from New York, I was Australian. <laughs> so it was like the, oh like all the, like, even the other comedians like who's this guy. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm just like I was strutting around like, just like an idiot like I don't, I don't mean anything but like it, it's a, it was like a novel I was like a novelty <laughs> you, you gotta take the W on that one and be like yeah, yeah. absolutely yeah I just I was just careful not to talk shit about it. I wasn't like oh I'm killing it back over there <laughs> the funniest the funniest thing is about being um, trying this whole comedy thing in New York is that like people back People back in Australia, like family, friends, and all that, 
they think I'm absolutely killing it. Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. they think that my, like, my dad, and, like, bless him, he's so supportive. Like, I love that. But, like, you know, his friends, like, you know, oh, like, how's James killing it? Yeah, he's killing it. <laughs> <laughs> like, like, do you know what it means to be killing it as a comedian in New York? It is so far away from what I'm doing. Yeah, like I'll do like, I'll do like, I did like a bringer at Gotham last month, and like, oh, that's a big club, isn't it? I'm like, I'm trying to explain. Yeah, but I wasn't picked based on my talent. It's like this bullshit concept that <laughs> blah 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 blah. <laughs> but it's that's still good. You're like killing it. Yeah, <laughs> no, like I had a good set, but like I was like, I'm not. Yeah, but the video looks great. I'm like, yeah, I paid $30 for that. <laughs> you know, this whole experience is tailored so that you would think I'm killing it. Yeah. <laughs> I just give in. I'm like, all right, I'm killing it. All right, yeah. yeah. <laughs> That's what I feel whenever my mom posts about me on Facebook, you know, like, oh, he moved away two years ago and he's chasing his dream as a comedian and all... All her boomer friends are like, that's amazing. <laughs> it's amazing. It's so nice. He's following his dream. It's like, yes, I'm doing that. But also, it's a lot more romantic on paper than it is <laughs> yeah. like when you're actually here. It's like, yeah. if my mom came to visit me, I'd be like, all right, we're going to go to a couple shows that you're not going to laugh a single thing. That's yeah, yeah. said. Like, we're going to go to a mic. Yeah. Like, I don't know. I'm just chilling. Like, it'll, it'll be there eventually. Okay. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it just, I feel like so, like... The mysticism around comedy is so is so big. Like, or sorry, not the mysticism, the the mystery in general, right? Like, audience members go to a show, they see someone on stage, and they're just sold. They're like, "I love this person. I hope they tell good jokes." Yeah, yeah. This is just they're just so funny. Then it's like they don't know the shit you have to go through. You oh, know, yeah. like a like. I, I I was thinking about this bit, right? I, I haven't done it yet, but I kind of want to do it. Just like get on stage at a show and be like, I'm so glad to be here. You guys give it up for yourselves. Like, I'm so happy to be here tonight. You would not believe the bullshit I went through to get here. Yeah. And then I just lay out my stand-up comedy career up to that moment. <laughs> <laughs> Where it's just like all these open mics, moving to a new city, making new friends, <laughs> trying to run a show for a while, giving up, getting like into it, running a mic. And then like just like three years of action summarized and be like, anyway, and I finally got booked on this show last week. So You've I done that? Here. No, I want to do it. I've been thinking oh, about mate, how to do it. You've got to do that. Because I think people, the thing is, like, I, I was telling Lee this when she first started, because she's been doing it two years. And I met her in her first, like, month of comedy. And she would she would get up there and she would be, like, frustrated. Um, like, at a show, she'd be, like, frustrated about how comedy is going. So she would be in the best mood. I'd be like, you got to leave all that at the door because if there's audience there, they have no idea how much what we do can suck sometimes. Yeah. All they know is that you walked on stage and you are going to make them laugh. Yeah, you're the you're the man at that point. Yeah. They're like this this person's the man, he's going to kill it. Yeah. You have to you have to like meet that. Mhm. Exactly. It's like you want those people, those people when they when they call your name, please give it up for James Coburn. They're all like, "Oh, he's killing it." Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> he performs all over the city. Are you kidding me? <laughs> 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 that ah, oh, that was. I was at a show the other night. I was just chilling, and it was like three or four in a row were like performs all over the city. And I'm like looking around, like, are they buying this? 
There's no way they're buying. <laughs> There's no way. Three or four, three of the last four performance, like, and then like, then someone will be like a huge name, and I will have like a legit credit. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Sometimes I feel like it's a nervous reaction on the host part. Like yeah. if they don't think of anything. I'm like, you can just say he's great. I love him. Give it up for yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> or whatever. Yeah. I sometimes someone's like, "Oh, what do you want me to say?" I just, I just usually say, "You can say that I'm Australian," because that like, it like yeah. works in my favor. Because like, immediately like, like especially if it's like the show's not going too well or something like yeah. that, and me, people might be like, "Oh fuck, I'm get, I want to get home." Like, if like I've, what I've found is if the host then goes, "Oh, this guy's actually Australian," people sort of go, "Oh, what's this? Like, this is a bit different." Yeah, like I'm actually gonna, I'll be listening to this for sure. Mm-hmm. That's mm. that's an interesting one. I think. Yeah, <laughs> that's all you gotta up. do, Max. You yeah. just gotta be Australian. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Easy one. I, dude, the mic where you and Alex Richards met was like one of my favorite comedy oh, yeah. moments yeah. of him going up on stage doing jokes about how no one wants to listen to Australia or everyone thinks Australians are experts <laughs> on all the animals that live there. Yeah. <laughs> and he does that whole bit and then you come up on stage next and there was just that moment of like, wait, you're Australian too? Yeah. And everyone in the room, like I remember cl- like clapping. Yeah, yeah. Like everyone was so excited. <laughs> and I think it was, uh, it was either 100% or like 99% males. So it was just like me and Alex Richards, two Australian guys, that had never met, yeah. but had both been in the city for a bit. Yeah. <laughs> and then like 20 American comics <laughs> that were witnessing this firsthand. Yeah. My first two minutes was just discussing with Alex Richards about like, <laughs> we don't know each other, do we? We were trying to convince the others that this isn't a bit. Like, we don't know each other. Like, how long have you been here? <laughs> it, it was just like, it was so incredible. It's like, it's there's moments like I do this too, like, if I meet, uh, if I by chance meet another or see another comedian who speaks Mandarin, I go home and I tell Lee about it right away. I was like, I, I just saw another Chinese comedian. They speak Chinese. You got it. <laughs> and she's just like, I don't care. No, she does care. Oh, she's she does. like, oh, that's great. Like, <laughs> there's like a, there's, it's such a small portion, you know? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> it's like, it's like when I see it, I'm like, I report it. I'm like, okay, we, if this person signs up for the mic, you got to talk to this person. Yeah. 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 <laughs> I remember I did a show. Once it was like an all Australian show. Did you ever meet Jess Fuchs? Uh uh-uh. uh. Um, yeah, she did it. Yeah, and like I showed, I was like, looked at the fly. I'm like, who, who like, I, who are these people? I've been here for like two years. I thought I knew every Australian. Got, got to the show, I'm like, who the hell are these people? But um, and then and then and then so I met those people, and then I'm like, all right, now I know every Australian comic in the city. There can't be anymore. And then that wasn't long before. The open mic where I'm at, and I'm like, oh, you've got to be kidding. There's another guy. But now me, me and him are really, we're really good friends now. Yeah, that's great. Yeah. I I think uh, I was surprised how many Australians I've met here in the city. Because back in Denver, I had met one in my whole lifetime. Like Really? And he like came to visit some of his friends that he like played an MMORPG with. Right, right. <laughs> so he was like, he didn't even live there. And then I came here. And then I worked with, I have like a couple at my office and then I met Alex and I was like, and you, and I was like, wow, I, I've never met Australians oh, before. You know? I think last time I like spoke to someone about this, I think there was, I think there was like 20,000 in like the city of New York. Okay. Which actually doesn't sound like a lot when you think about how There's many, 8 million people here. Yeah. <laughs> but there is a lot. And they, they, yeah. If you, do, if you go to East Village in the Lower East Side or Williamsburg, yeah, you're going to run, you're going to run into some. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 
Yeah, when the, and then when uh, I came over to record your podcast, I'm like, oh, my uh, co-host, Joanna Cox. I was like, okay. And then I met her, and she was Australian. I was yeah. Like, Whoa, she, she's very Australian. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. All right, well, we're, we're kind of wrapping down to the last 10 minutes of this episode. This is something I ask everybody at the end. So in your in your journey of comedy, do you have a theme or a message that you stick to to keep yourself going? Not necessarily like a theme in your work, but something that you tell yourself to like keep at it every day um i think it's uh i think it's what we were speaking about before i mm-hmm. think it's hey you'd rather be doing this than something else always remember that um and that helps me that helps me like celebrate even the the shit times you know mm-hmm. when it, when you bomb or like when it's late and you're tired and you know you don't really want to go to that mic or like this and that is is uh you chose yeah you chose to do this and what else would you rather be doing? The answer, right? The, the answer is nothing. The other thing, and this, this is going to sound so corny, and I won't go too much into it. But um, when I've got a twin brother back home, and he had a he had a baby girl, and like she's just the most gorgeous um, little girl in the world. And it's just these days for me, like I'm getting older, and I care a lot about like I care a lot about that stuff now. Mm. And um, yeah, it's just sort of like um. You know, it, it's amazing what like nieces and nephews can do to you. Like, uh, you know, even if it's not my kid, but like something, um, it, something like so special, like the effect it has on you, like having something like that, where it sort of changed my attitude and changed my life a little bit. Where I was like, all right, like, um, there's something, bi- there's something bigger in your life now. For, for, I was doing it for me, mm-hmm. and I was doing it because I thought it was cool, and like I really love it, and you know, it's um, it's fun and this and that and but now it's like all right work your ass off work your ass off do something really cool with this keep going even when it is hard mm-hmm. keep sticking to the like the fundamentals which is like writing and actually performing um and something's going to eventually come of it and when that day comes you can sort of you know you can sort of like look you look your niece in the eye and be like oh you know you know like i'm actually proud of myself mm-hmm. and, and um i hope that you're proud of me too right um which i know sounds really silly but that's the sort of like power it's had on me mm-hmm. um yeah to not just be doing it f- for my own sort of silly reasons yeah. to actually be like wanting to like sort of achieve something um and also like you know show show her that like you know you can sort of you can sort of aim high and Right, get somewhere. You know, long way to go. You want like, you want her to roll up in the first day of kindergarten. She's like, my uncle's a comedian yeah. in New York, and he's yeah, yeah. killing yeah. it. Yeah, Do you got, yeah. <laughs> yeah, 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 he's killing it. Yeah, <laughs> she saw me on that one flyer. Um, <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, it's uh, yeah, it's I, that's that's why I sort of do it these mm-hmm. days. Um, I think it's great. Yeah, thanks. <laughs> I think it's like it's a, there's definitely something to be said for. Being like, you can chase something that I'll, most people will say is like a bad time investment. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> just because you love it, and it's like you want to do it, you know. Yeah, it's yeah. Like you don't have to just go to work and come home, grab a few drinks, and then go to sleep or whatever. You know, you can you can do something you care you care about. Yeah, yeah. It's a it's a much what I do is much different. Excuse me. Um, much different lifestyle to, um, you know, what my family and. Definitely, what society told me to do when I was growing up in Australia. It's yeah. all right back there. It's and you know it's probably similar here in a lot of places. It's uh, 
hey, finish high school, go to university and get a job yeah. <laughs> and then buy a house and have kids. Mm-hmm. Uh, so my, my life is very different to like a lot of people I know back home. But um, yeah, once, once I moved here and I, I realized, hey, that's, there's no like blueprint to life. Yeah. Um, and I started like just loving having this sort of um, different, uh, different schedule to like what, you know, I was once used to or what my friends have and this and that. And yeah, once you sort of embrace that, it's great. That's great. I love that. I I wish uh, part of this podcast in the back of my mind, I think about how I work like a nine to five and the thought of like what you mentioned, having like a non-traditional schedule, you know, that's so intimidating to me. (laughs) So I'm like, I'm like, yo, imagine if I was a comedian and then I also like work nights, like three nights a week and that's all I work or something. I'm like, that's, I can't even comprehend that right now. (laughs) I remember it was just the other day, my boss, I usually have to be up very early. Um, and my boss was like, anyway, he's very supportive of me doing comedy. And he's another one that's like, dude, you're killing it. I'll tell him that I did one show. He's like, oh man, you're on, you're doing big things. <laughs> um, but you know, the support's great. But, um, the other day, hey, what you do? He's like, what you do last night? I'm like, well, I worked yesterday and then went to an open mic and then went and showed my face at a show. He's like, oh, yeah, what time that wrap up? And I was like, oh, I finished up at, I don't know, 11, got home at like midnight. And then I was back at work at like 7. You know what I mean? And like, he's just just like, God, you must be tired. I was like, yeah. Yeah, I am tired. I'm exhausted. (laughs) Going back to like when you you were saying people don't understand like sometimes what you have to go through to actually just get to like getting booked on a stupid show. Like, like, yeah, I am tired. (laughs) I did... What's 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 been great for me is like since I started working from home, I can be tired. Like I go to bed at like twelve thirty every night, and I just wake up right before I have to log in, and I'm like, yeah. "Works for me," you know. Like back when I was commuting to work, I'd be like, oh, "I gotta be home by ten. I gotta sleep so I can get in yeah, the office yeah. and be alert and press." No, none of that. Yeah, <laughs> it's yeah. He's, I've I've got to get better at that, but. I, I think here, here's my thought also is you're just working at like whatever job you're working for the most part, you can just be tired at that as long as you're not tired on stage. Right. You know? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I'm just always tired. But I mean, when you get on stage, you don't really feel that though. Yeah. You're sort of the adrenaline sort of kicks takes over. Yeah. Especially if you got that new joke buzz. Yeah. 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 <laughs> the, the drug. Yeah. <laughs> I'll sleep four hours, but if you if I got a new bit, I'm I'll go to any mic you oh, ask me to. I don't sleep when I've got new bits. <laughs> uh, that's my secret. I've only got new bits. <laughs> I haven't written one joke that yeah. stays. Yeah. <laughs> I was having trouble sleeping, and my doctor desc- prescribed me new bits. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, <laughs> all right, James. Well, we're gonna get out of here. What? Where can people find you? Where can people follow you? Um, my uh, my Instagram handle is at Human Tabasco. It's a, a bit one. of a, it's a recent rebrand. I'm pretty happy with it. Um, at Human Tabasco. <laughs> uh, I'm also trying to get a um podcast off the ground. It's called Freaks to the Front. Um, that'll be, I think. Uh, yeah, our Instagram handle for that is is simply Freaks to the Front. Um, we're gonna be um kicking that off soon. Maxim's producing it. Mm-hmm. Thank you very much. Um, I'm gonna say you guys every time you call me Pod Daddy, it yeah. makes me so happy. Oh, <laughs> God, I thought you were gonna say I really want you to stop that. 
Yeah. Every time you say it, I'm like, oh. Yeah. I, I'm like, not only do I have my podcast, I have a baby podcast. Yeah. <laughs> I don't. I can't tell whether Pod Daddy's like got sexual connotations or like, or whether it is professional. Like, I just, I'm like, it's pure father. It's pure Nike Monarchs and dad jeans. <laughs> <laughs> actually just just before coming here i had a i had a drink with joe and she said to say hello but she of course she didn't say say hi to maxim she said say hi to pod daddy <laughs> yeah awesome well guys i'll put all the links to those in my in the uh description of this episode uh freaks to the front is not out yet but we're working on getting, getting more there. getting a backlog put together and getting a schedule um but yeah check out james the i what well, Definitely check out Freaks of the Front. It's great. They're talking about what ma- what makes people unique. Good discussions. Fun show all around. Uh, check it out. And uh, that's it for us this week. Thank you so much for tuning in. Uh, you know what it is. Don't quit your day job. And I will see you next week. Bye.